Welcome to the Child Free Wealth Podcast, hosted by Bree and Dr. J, Certified Financial Planner. Here we discuss life and finances as it relates to being child free. This podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only. Please consult your advisor before implementing any ideas heard on this podcast. So if you've been following Child Free Wealth's podcast, and by the way, if you haven't, like, subscribe, follow, do all those things you're supposed to do. I have no clue what you're supposed to do, but like hit the buttons below <laughs> the thing. But if you've been following us, we're on a series talking about what to invest, how to invest, where to keep it, and the basics of investing. So today we're going to dive into where to keep your investments. Well, in the last episode, we talked about what you should invest, but it's kind of like what accounts and where do I put this and how does it impact taxes and all that. And I had given you guys a clue last time that Bria just finished her Series 65, which is the exam to become an investment advisor representative. So I'm going to continue. We're going to quiz Bree. Um, by the way, once again, she got no warning, but at least she got the last episode. Did fine. So, uh, you know, we'll throw her under, under the, the bus this time. We're going to talk about where and like the accounts and all that and dive in. Is that, that okay, Bree? I'm up for it. You, you passed the last one. So yeah. this one, we're going to be good. All right. So when people talk about where, we're talking about accounts. So let's start with uh, what's a brokerage account? A brokerage account is going to be typically taxable because it is one you can open up on your own and invest in. You can put money in whenever you want. You can take money out whenever you want. You are going to have multiple tax consequences. You're going to pay taxes going in, taxes going out, and taxes on the gain. So you've got three different tax implications there. But anybody can open that up to invest for you don't you don't have to wait till a certain day or age to take it out yeah so a brokerage account um you also hear it just called a taxable account it's just kind of that basic one of the things kind of quirks on this a brokerage account if it's a couple you can actually have a joint we're going to talk about retired accounts in a minute and that's individual uh, a brokerage account you can open at any of the big name places you know People ask me, you know, who do I recommend? I don't. I just go whoever's cheapest. You know, I often say Vanguard or Fidelity because they tend to be the cheapest. You know, there's other ones. If you if you if you have a place you like, go for it. Like, it's, it, all of their technology kind of sucks a little bit, um, but it's just brokerage accounts, buy and sell stocks and bonds and things like that. In there. Now, before we go to like a brokerage account, sounds like a place I put my money. I, I invest things. Isn't that a savings account? No, because a savings account is holding your money. You are not investing in different things like stocks, bonds, ETFs, mutual funds, anything like that. You're just holding your money in the savings account. Whereas brokerage account, you have to pick an investment once you contribute money into the account. And then from there, you pick your investments that you are hoping will go up in value over time and make you more money. Yeah, key thing here. People often put savings and investing together as one word. And it is because like we're putting money away for future. Yes. Savings account is I want my money in a bank. I want to earn some interest. It'll be there when I get there. Brokerage, you put money in. You have to actually invest it, but you have risk that comes with that. Mm-hmm. The odds of your bank going bankrupt is very low. And if they are, they're protected by FDIC. We, we've run into a few of that lately. But a brokerage, you buy the wrong stock... Uh, it's on you. There's no insurance saying like, 
Sorry. You know, and brokerage accounts are set up like you can do whatever you want. Uh, one of the ones and just kind of tangent on this, you will see things called robo advisors, which is just a brokerage account with some math on it. And they say, you should invest in this. You should do that. Remember, we're following the rules of only investing in things you understand. If you can't understand what the robo advisor is doing, you can't do that. Mm-hmm. I think the other one to kind of fit in here, Bree brought up a great point. I've seen a lot of people put money into the brokerage account or the IRAs or other things and then never invest it. You need to not only put the money in, but then you need to take a next step and actually buy something with it. Yep. All right. So let's go to the next one. What's an IRA? An individual retirement account. And that you can open up if you have earned income throughout a year and put money in there. You can also open one up if you have a spouse making income. And that's called a spousal IRA. But that is where you get the 2023 limit is $6,500. Think about $6,500 in there, invest it. And then you cannot pull it out before the age of 59 and a half without either meeting certain requirements or having tax implications like penalties. Yeah. So the IRA is the bucket. And now then we get two types of IRAs, Mm -hmm. Roth and traditional. What's the difference between Roth and traditional? Traditional, you're going to pay taxes when you take the money out. Roth, you're going to pay taxes on it now. So it's like, do you want to pay taxes on the seed or do you want to pay taxes on the harvest? Yeah. And keep in mind with a traditional, it's going to lower your income taxes this year. So you get that benefit, but then you pay it on the way out. Uh, one of those kind of little side notes, if you are, uh, if you are doing student loans and doing like an income driven repayment program, you might want to use a traditional to drive down your income. So your payments lower. That's mm-hmm. kind of like one of those things. Otherwise, I'm usually going down the Roth path just because I tend to believe this, that taxes will go up over time. If you know you're going to like have a period of your life where you're going to have lower taxes, not traditional might make sense, but if we had a whole different class on tax planning. I'm not trying to go there, but what I'm trying to do is help you understand which type of account changes it. Now, there is a limit for income for Roth. You have to watch that. There's also a limit for the traditional deductibility if your employer offers a 401k. We we will actually link to a handy-dandy sheet for taxes numbers for 2023. If you're listening to 2024, ignore that all and... (laughs) Find another Look one. for the new numbers. <laughs> now, so what's a 401k? 401k is going to be offered by your employer. It is also another sort of retirement account where you can put money in and the employer can provide a match to you. You can put a substantially more money into a 401k than you can an IRA. You cannot take that money out until 59 and a half. So it's just another bucket, but one that your employer offers to you. And... As the employee, you can either put it into a traditional traditional side or a Roth side. Most or some companies do have an option. Some companies won't, but you want to check out your specific company because we can't tell you whether or not they do. Yeah. So here's a kind of weird one that people get confused by. They'll say, well, I make too much money for a Roth. Aha. Uh-huh. You might make too much money for a Roth IRA. There's no Roth income limit for a 401k. There's a contribution limit. The part that the employer puts in is always going to be traditional, but 
as of current tax laws. There's some weird things they're trying to talk about. But the Roth component, you can do that. The other one on the match, so like people say, well, I put like 3% in and they match it dollar for dollar or whatever. There's weird math, 6% and they match half. Um, some of the employers now have an option that if you pay your student loans, they will give you the match towards your 401k. It's kind of a weird one. Very rare, but if you might want to see if you have student loans, if they're willing to give you that match, even though you're not putting it in. The other thing is they may automatically opt you into your your 401k and saying, hey, you got to put 3% automatically unless you opt out. That's fine. Uh, remember, last episode we talked about you got to invest in stuff. 401k is going to be in a mutual fund. IRA, you got a lot more flexibility in what you invest in. So, Bree, that's a 401k, but what's a 403b? 403b is similar to a 401k, but it is for nonprofit organizations. That is yeah. typically what they are. Non- nonprofits, government, um, there's some weird like check boxes. And by the way, if it sounds like we're talking like random numbers, those are all IRS numbers. 401k mm-hmm. has to do with the line in the IRS code that it is. And 403b, like that's all that is. Also with a 403b, there's some uh, additional catch-up rules if you've been there for a longer time and you're uh, older. So we'll kind of skip over that. How about a 457B? It's a deferred compensation plan. So some companies will offer them for different employees. Ones I've seen are for senior leaders or people who have a base salary. But depending on your company, they might offer that. So it's something to check into. But it's you make the money now and you get it later. Yeah. So if you work for a nonprofit, you may have both a 403B and a 457B. Um, the bonus is a 457B, you're saying, I'm going to put my money there and, and traditional or Roth again, but I can take it out when I quit the job. See, there's a difference. So I might quit the job at 50 and have access to it now instead of 59 and a half. I might quit the job at 30 and have access to it. So that is, so if you have option of both, 457 is probably the right answer. Um, there's also other weird plans, and I'm not going to quiz Bree on these because it gets really crazy. But for example, my wife works for a university. They have a 403B, a 457, and a 401A, which is kind of like what replaced the pensions. Um, and she can contribute to all three of those. So you've got to see what your options are. And like if you have a 403B and a 457, you can contribute the max in both. That's kind of like, you know, we start like maxing out these accounts. We're maxing out the tax benefits. See, investing itself is pretty simple. Tax planning can be a challenge. Picking out which accounts and why do I want to do this and all that. You may want to work with a professional on that. Um, when it gets into 401ks, 457s, all that fun stuff, 403bs, mostly in the 401k world, you may see an option for what they call mega backdoor Roth. Just a cool term. It means I'll fill up the 401k for everything my employer didn't fill up. Not every place allows that. It's an after-tax contribution. It's nice if it's there. If not, not. You also may have options for a backdoor Roth. There's some funky things you got to do with that. I'm going to strongly suggest if you're going to do any of the backdoor stuff, work with a professional because I spend way too much time cleaning up people's accounts when they haven't done it right. And sometimes that costs them in taxes. Um, 
we're getting kind of into that fancy land. You know, we talked about in the last episode, do you want your investments to work or do you want them to be sexy or fancy? As we, we get fancier as we get further out. So, all right, Bree, I'm 35 years old. I'm working a job. I make 100 grand a year. Why? Because 100 grand is like seems to be everybody's goal. I want to make six figures. Okay. Should I put my money in my 401k or my brokerage? 401k. It, well, no. Take that back. What are your goals? What do you mean? What life goals do you have? Do you want to keep working forever? Do you want to work till 59 and a half? Do you want to retire early? What do you want to do? I want to start a business in the next 10 years. You want to start a business in the next 10 years? Okay. Do you have any debt? Yeah. Okay. How much? I don't want to talk about that on the radio. Well, that's going to impact where you put your money. If you've got a lot of debt, you want to pay that off. So, by the way, hypothetical, not a real one. <laughs> but <laughs> I purposely, I, I didn't warn Bree I was doing this. Even the fact of which account should I put it in is a lot like more detailed than just put it in your 401k first or do that. You'll see a whole lot of general rules online, but depends. Yeah, you know, one of the debates, and we should, we'll have a whole separate episode on should you pay down your debt or invest first? But I'm going to say you pay down your debt because it's a tax free risk free return, which is where Bree was going. Then I want to save for my goals. Well, if I want to retire, 401k is good and gives me tax benefits. If I want to start a business and I need money in the next 10 years, I might want to put it in a brokerage. If I need the money in the next two to three years, I might want to put it in a savings account. Yep. And people it's go, it's all different. Wait, what? Huh? Okay. Here's the bonus. 401k. You set it, forget it. It takes part, money out of your paycheck. I love that because it just like forces you to save money. Is that the right choice for you? I don't know. Depends on your situation. But you know what? Something that's mindlessly investing for your future. In general, I'm liking that idea. You can do the same with your brokerage, but then people are more likely to take that money out and use it. Part of the thing about a 401k is that 59 and a half. Now, there are some weird ways you can get out money beforehand. And, you know, there's some weird rules that we're not going to go into here, but you can get it out before 59 and a half, especially if certain life events happen or timing and age. But it's locked up for a reason. Now, Bree, I, we're going to go back to my hypothetical. I've now got $50,000 in my 401k and I want to start my business. Should I take a 401k loan? No, I would not touch your retirement accounts. But I need 10000 to start the business. Well, then you're going to have to work and save it. That's what I want to tell you. <laughs> because you're going to have to pay penalties on that for that 401k loan. You're going to have to pay it back as well. So you're probably going to end up paying more between the penalties and having to pay it back and the tax consequences by taking that 401k loan than spending a little bit of extra time to to save up more money before starting a business. Yeah. And by the way, if it sounds like we're picking on starting up a business, we're not. It just happened to be my hypothetical I made up. <laughs> so 401k loans. The only time I will tell people to take a 401k loan is if they have like a medical emergency, like they can't, you know, like I need surgery, can't afford it. Like, okay, you, oh, fine. You know, do what you got to do or prevent like a bankruptcy. But even then I'm probably not going to take it for the bankruptcy because a loan, they go, well, you're just borrowing money from yourself. Yeah, but it's due immediately. 
So for example, if I go to that start a business example, you take, you know, the, the person takes out a $10,000 loan, business does well, they quit their job six months later, that $10,000 loan is immediately due, or they're going to pay a 10% penalty in taxes on it. Like you're setting yourself up for failure. Um, 401k loans. Yeah, we don't do those. We don't cash out our 401ks. We let, let those set and go. That's why we might want to put money in our brokerage or our savings account if we need it. The other thing I mentioned was, you know, if you need the money in the next three to five years-ish, savings accounts work. Set it, forget it, and it'll be there when you need it. The problem is the stock market over time goes up. But which year it goes up and which year it goes down, who knows? Okay, yeah. I'm not even going to try to guess. So if I'm saving for a down payment, I'm saving for my business, whatever, I saving can't put it in the stock market take fund. chance. Save my emergency fund. You got yeah, it. Yeah, don't invest that. All right. We only invest money that we can set and forget it. The other thing is, if you're going to watch it every day, you can't afford to invest it because it's going to like stress you out too much. You know, which yep. may mean you're taking on too much risk or working it through. So, all right, we got brokerage, we got retirement accounts. One other account that I want to talk about is an investment account that people don't often think about is an HSA. So an HSA is a health savings account. Now, you only get access to an HSA if you have a high deductible plan and it meets certain requirements, but it allows you to put money in there. And it's one of the weird things of triple tax-free. You get a tax deduction when it goes in, grows tax-free, comes out tax-free for medical expenses. Now, in general, I'm not going to tell you to pick up a high deductible plan just to get the HSA. But if your employer happens to have one and that's you have a high HSA, that one probably gets filled first. You get a tax benefit and come out. And here's what happens. You put the money in, then you can invest it, just like an IRA or 401k in certain funds. And you, my, my advice to you is not to spend it on this year's expenses because you can roll it over year over year. So, for example, I go to the doctor, I have a you know blood draw, I have a copay, I have all that. You keep a chart of it, like like Excel, Google Sheet of like went to the doctor's office, paid fifty bucks. You can then pay yourself back in the future. So let's say. I 2023, I keep a track of all my expenses. I have $1,000 expenses. I put $3,000 in my HSA, which by the way, you can put more in that, but let's just go with it. And then in 2025, I'm like, I need that $3,000. I can pay myself back for what happened in 2023, in 2025, and no taxes, it grew, and I got tax break. So HSA is one of those like fun tools <laughs> that allows you to get that triple tax benefit. Um, the, the downside of it is, you got to pay more for your insurance because you're paying the deductibles. So I tend in general to recommend getting the better insurance because I'm just not a lucky person enough that I can take a chance on paying a high deductible. But that's up to you, particularly for the young, healthy folks. Well, if you're not going to use the health insurance anyway, you might want to take advantage of the HSA. The other one to keep in mind, the match on the 401k has some type of cliff. It'll say like three years or you don't earn the match until a certain amount of time. Well, let's use the three-year example. Well, that means anything the employer puts in, not yours. You, well, you put in is yours. But anything the employer gets in, you don't get that money until three years. It's in your account, but it's not really yours. The average tenure in a job right now is 2.7 years. If you are not going to stay for the three years, you got to assume you're not going to get the match, which might change which accounts you use. Bree, think about this. What percentage of your friends are staying at a job over three years? 
two that I can think of, but that's because they're a few years older than I am. Otherwise, most of my friends graduated college three years ago, or they're like and, going and, through and, masters or something. And the ones who graduated college have had three jobs in the past three years. Yeah, they, yeah. or they you, quit working altogether because they're a mom or something like that. Yep. Yeah. So what's happening is the younger generations, the average tenure at a job is getting closer and closer to two years. So the match, well, it looks good. Like I have people say, uh, you know, I say, hey, you should pay off your debt before you invest. They go, except for the 401k match. I'm going, well, are you going to stay at the job? And they go, no. Then you pay off your debt. Like this is the, the game. The other one, since we did mention the paying off debt, remember, pay off debt, you get a tax-free, risk-free return of the interest. So I pay a credit card, it's 20% interest. I'm getting a 20% return, risk-free, tax-free. Not going to beat that in the market in most cases. That's why we're talking about some of that. That's why we're prioritizing and setting steps. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please consider leaving a rating or review. We'd love to keep the conversation going. Follow Child Free Wealth on social media or email us at podcast at childfreewealth.com. If you're interested in working together, learn more by visiting our website, www.childfreewealth.com. We'll see you next time.